0: Let's read together Psalm 73. Truly, God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. For I was envious at, at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride compasseth them about as a chain violence covereth them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore as people return hither, and waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. And they say, How doth God know, and is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly, who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Verily I have cleansed my heart in vain, and washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say I will speak thus... Behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I their end. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou castest them down into destruction. How are they brought into desolation as in a moment They are utterly consumed with terrors as a dream when one awaketh. So, O Lord, when thou awakest, thou shalt despise their image. Thus my heart was grieved, and I was pricked in my reins. So foolish was I and ignorant, I was as a beast before thee. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast holden me by my right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but thee? There is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou shalt destroy all them that go a-whoring from thee but it is good for me to draw near unto God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. This is the inspired, infallible word of God. The text for the sermon is verse 26. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, the preservation of the saints is that precious doctrinal truth which teaches that when God comes to save you, to unite you to Jesus Christ, to incorporate you into His covenant of grace, He keeps you. And no matter how weak you ever become, and no matter how great the temptations and the trials ever become, It is impossible for you to fall away and go lost and perish. God preserves his people in their salvation. If you want to read a very careful theological formulation of this doctrine, you can read the 15 articles of the fifth head of the Canons of Dort which teach the preservation of the saints over against the Arminian heresy, that it's possible to be saved and to lose your salvation and perish everlastingly in hell. Or, if you want to read a very simple, beautiful, heartfelt, personal confession of the doctrine of the preservation of the saints, and what it is like to experience that truth from the perspective of the individual believer, then you can read the Psalms and read this Psalm and this text that we consider this evening. Psalm 73 verse 26. This is a personal confession of the doctrine of the preservation of the saints. It's personal, my. Four times, that's emphatic, my flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Personal. Unless you're Adam before the fall, or you are one of the angels of heaven who excels in strength, or you are God himself, which none of us are, then you fail. And you need strength. Who can't relate to the text tonight? faileth. That's the psalmist word for you and for me. My flesh and my heart faileth. Strength. That's the psalmist word for God. Don't ever use the word faileth for God. God doesn't fail. Psalter 378, very familiar in that refrain, whose mercy faileth never. Whose mercy faileth never. God never fails. God is strength, infinite strength in himself. And the glorious gospel of grace tonight is that God, for Jesus' sake, is our strength. The preservation of the saints. We fail, but God is strong to preserve us. So tonight as we consider the text, we stand on one of the tallest mountain peaks of faith in the entirety of, of the old dispensation. Now that's not where Asaph began in Psalm 73. Asaph was very, very low, but God made him strong and God lifted him back up in his faith. And now God, in the second half of the Psalm, he sets Asaph there on one of the tallest mountain peaks of faith you'll ever find in the Old Testament. And the Psalm concludes with those very well known, beautiful words that We use and apply for so many different occasions in life. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast holden me by my right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. And then come the words of the text. Lovely. Let's consider them tonight, taking as our theme, God, the strength of my heart. First, my heart failure. Second, my heart strength. And third, my heart testimony. Faileth my flesh and my heart faileth. Faileth means to be at the end, to be spent, to have nothing left. And Asaph uses that very somber word to describe his flesh and his heart, his flesh. That refers to his natural life, the whole of his being from a physical point of view, his body inwardly and on the outside, flesh. And then heart refers to his spiritual life, the whole of his being from a spiritual point of view, my flesh and My heart faileth, so that the whole man Asaph faileth. Now it's important to understand that the verb faileth is actually in the past tense, so that Asaph is not saying, My flesh and my heart are failing right now. That's not at all true. He's actually standing on one of the tallest mountain peaks of faith. Not now but it's past tense. My flesh and my heart failed in the past. And he's referring to all of that time leading up to his entering into the sanctuary. That's the turning point of Psalm 73, verse 17. Until until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I their end. Everything leading up to verse 17 in the psalm describes Asaph's experience before the sanctuary when his flesh and his heart failed. Asaph's whole experience in Israel defied his expectation as a child of God. He was a child of God. He believed in God, that God is not only sovereign, but he's good and righteous and holy and just and faithful. And therefore, Asaph has the expectation, though it might not be this way with man, it is with God. Virtue will be rewarded and wickedness will be punished. That's his expectation as a child of God. But when Asaph looked around, and not only way out in the world somewhere, but even right within Israel, when Asaph looked around, he sees the opposite. He sees the foolish and those who are doing wickedly, those who oppose God, they have all this prosperity, all this health and wealth and success, and they leap and bound from one success and accomplishment to the next. There are no bands in their death. They are not, as we sang, in trouble, as other men are, the plagues of their fellows they view from afar. And the result of all of this prosperity is that they become more and more arrogant and proud Their eyes stand out in fatness and they become violent and they start lifting up their mouth and speaking against the heavens, against God and His works and against His people Israel. And then the righteous who wash their hands in innocency, who cleanse their hearts, the righteous, they suffer one adversity, one hardship after another, day after day. So that Asaph's whole experience in Israel, as he looked around, it defied his expectation as a child of God. And his issue was not with any man. Not even what any man may have been doing to or against him. His singular issue was with God. He was perplexed. How could this possibly be? O oh God, lovest thou and blessest thou the wicked and hatest thou and cursest thou the righteous? And if that's true, then what's the point of confessing the name of Jehovah? What's the point of the whole religion of Jehovah in Israel? It's better to live with no God at all than a God who is sovereign but is not good and fair, and just. He's perplexed. He's so perplexed. He's so distressed that he says in the text, my flesh failed. Now, he doesn't mean when he says his flesh and his heart failed that that he died in the body or in the soul. In fact, he says in verse 2, but as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh Slipped, but he failed in his flesh. And probably the priests and the Levites could see that as he came shuffling his weak, frail, sleep deprived body into the tabernacle again. Something wrong with Asaph. You can see it in his flesh. His flesh failed, he says. But most importantly, his heart failed, my flesh and my heart faileth. And there's nothing more important than the heart. And the text makes that plain. for Asaph says, my flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart. He does not say, but God is the strength of my flesh and my heart. Of course God is the strength of his flesh. In God we live and move and have our being. You and I can't take one breath apart from God. He is the strength of our flesh. But Asaph doesn't say that God is the strength of my flesh. He only says God is the strength of my heart because nothing's more important than the heart. And if God is the strength of your heart, then God is the strength of you, the whole of you and all of your being. The heart. There's nothing more important than the heart. That's the spiritual center, the deepest core of the man. So that Solomon says in Proverbs 4, verse 23, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. All of your thinking and willing and desiring, all of your suffering, all of your rejoicing, all of your hopes and fears... All of your words, all of your actions, everything comes out of the heart. And it bears a spiritual, moral character according to the nature of the heart. My heart. And the heart, that's where faith is seated. With the heart man believeth unto salvation. Faith is seated in the heart. And then out of the heart of faith arises the love for God and the love for the neighbor. There's nothing more important than the heart. And if your heart is spiritually strong, then you are well. If your heart is spiritually strong, then you are well. It doesn't matter how your flesh may fail. Now your flesh might fail. You might have a thorn, a messenger of Satan like Paul did to buffet you so that you writhe in pain. But if your heart is well and right with God, no matter how your flesh fails, you're able to say, it is well with me. But if your heart fails, doesn't matter. It does not matter how strong you are in the flesh. If your heart fails, then the whole of you will collapse. As the heart goes, so goes the man. Asaph's flesh failed because his heart failed. That's the relationship in the text. My flesh faileth because my heart Faileth. There's no evidence anywhere that Asaph's flesh failed because he was getting very old, weak and infirm in the body. There's no evidence anywhere that Asaph's flesh failed because he now had leprosy or he had palsy or he had some disease. Now that might be true with you. Maybe your flesh is failing because you have a bad cold or a flu, or you recently had COVID, or maybe you have cancer, which comes up upon you to eat up your flesh, or you have some other disease, or some issue with one of your vital organs, or all of us will eventually increase in years, and then the flesh will become very weak and infirm the body and the mind. The flesh fails. That wasn't Asaph's experience. That his flesh was failing because he had some disease or he was aging. Evidently, he was physically healthy and strong, but his flesh failed because his heart failed. And when his heart failed, the whole man, Asaph, even in his flesh, began to fail. My flesh and my heart faileth. And that his heart failed indicates his faith failed. He suffered. He experienced what the canons of Dort refer to as the interruption of the exercise of faith. Not that he lost his faith. Not that he became an unbeliever. Not that he's all of a sudden now an atheist. He still had the faculty of faith. He was still a believer. But the exercise of his faith was interrupted. He wasn't believing. He wasn't trusting. He wasn't relying upon God as he formerly did. Asaph was now walking by sight, not by faith. When it comes to God's providence and the way God was working out all of the details of his life and everything surrounding him in Israel, Asaph was making judgments about God based on what he saw, what he experienced. Asaph was not making judgments about God by faith based on God's unchanging objective revelation in His Word and His promises in Jesus Christ. He wasn't living by faith, believing in God. The exercise of his faith was interrupted. His faith failed until God took him into the sanctuary. And it was only then in the sanctuary when God brought him to the Word that God revived him again in his faith and quickened him again so that that activity of his faith was renewed again. And Asaph was believing in God now with respect to His providence around him in Israel. But before the sanctuary, his heart failed. His faith failed. And that's so, so detrimental All kinds of bitter consequences then. When your faith fails, and there were for for Asaph, just one, the very first one, he mentions right at the outset of the psalm, he became envious of the wicked. There's something very wrong with your heart. If you start looking at wicked men whom according to the psalm are on a slippery slope that leads to everlasting destruction in hell. And you say, I want to be like them. I want to be with them. And I want to have what they have. So foolish was I, I became envious of the wicked when my heart, when my faith failed. Spiritual heart failure. That was Asaph's experience. And what believer hasn't had the same experience in time of great trial and temptation? What believer hasn't had that experience in his life when he looks at himself and all of the troubles within him and without and all around him and says, all I see in my life is constant adversity and one loss and setback after another. And for a time, perhaps the believer stops trusting in God. And it may even happen that he becomes so upset with God's providence that he starts feeling it in his flesh. and Actually, his flesh becomes weak. And he feels sick to his stomach. and, And isn't sleeping at night. Not trusting in God, but being upset with God. And then what makes it even worse is the believer says, but I love God. I do genuinely love God. And I esteem His commandments more than gold. And yet, here are all these evildoers who speak against God in the heavens and they leap and bound from one success to the next full of prosperity. And the believer come, becomes very perplexed. Very perplexed. And stops believing and says everything seems contrary to how it should be. What is false is called true. True. What is deceitful is called honesty. What is unjust is called just. What is defiled is called pure. What is ugly is called lovely. What is of a bad report is called a good report. What is vile is called virtuous. What is contemptible is called praiseworthy. What is wrong is called right. What is a lie is called truth. He who is a tyrant is called a lamb. And the one who hurts me and harms me is revered. And God is good? And God is a very present help in time of trouble? Where art thou, O God? God is not treating me, the righteous, as He ought. And He's treating the wicked as He ought not. The holiest heart of the holiest man will fail. We fail to trust God to hope in God, to love God, to rejoice in God, to be content in God, and to find comfort in God and His Messiah, Jesus Christ. We fail. We can all say it, my flesh and my heart faileth. But, God God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. But God, God be thanked for all of the but gods in the Bible and in our own experience. But God is the strength of my heart. In characteristic fashion, the original Hebrew is very expressive here. And we literally read that God is the rock. That's why we sang Psalter 80, but God is the rock of my heart. And the point is that when God comes to make strong our heart, God is rock strength and gives us rock strength that is enduring, never failing strength. If you carry a two- or three-year-old for a while, long walk, maybe big hike, you will will eventually become weary and you have to set the little child down. But take a two-year-old child, take a 300-pound man for that matter, and set him on a big boulder, a rock, and that rock will never grow weary. Or take a pile of sand some dirt, and let the winds whip and howl and blow against that pile. And the little granules, they will blow. Eventually, the pile will erode. But take a rock and let the winds whip and howl. They cannot move or affect that rock. God is the rock strength of my heart. God is. God the infinitely great and glorious, blessed God who is pure delight in Himself. There's no weakness, there's no failure in God. The great God, the sovereign One who sits enthroned in the heavens and He says, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my good pleasure. The God who is when there is nothing says, let there be The whole universe comes into existence. Who, when there is a dead man, says, Arise, come forth. And the dead man stands up and he walks. Who, when there is a violent storm out at the sea, says, Peace, be still. And all is quiet and calm. The great, great God. God who is rock of ages. The devil and all of his demons, they make war against him. The gates of hell rage against God. The wicked, they say, let us take counsel together. And let us, as they build their towers into the highest heavens and shake their fist before the face of God, let us take counsel against God and his anointed and his people Israel. But God is God. God of everlasting strength the rock of ages, God who loves Himself, who loves His Son, and for His Son's sake, who loves His people Israel. He will glorify Himself. He will save His covenant people. It's this great God, Jehovah God, who comes to little Asaph. Little you. Little me, whose flesh and heart fails. and This God is the rock of strength of our heart. God alone. Everything else outside of God is a creature. It will all fail. Money, honor, popularity, accomplishments, a name. Doctors will fail. Ministers, elders, deacons, school teachers, parents, grandparents, a spouse, a husband, a wife. Everything that's outside of God will fail you if you seek to find in it the strength of your heart. I may love God, and I may love His church for Jesus' sake, and I may seek to do everything I can for you, and you may love me, you may love your spouse, and seek to do everything you can for your spouse, but you can never be the strength of someone's heart. That's God, and God alone He is the strength of my heart, says Asaph. And that's because God is the only one who can give you Christ. That's what Asaph needed. And that's what we need. Christ, the Son of God, who came into this world, into the humiliation of our humanity with flesh and heart and no heart ever endured what his heart endured. Oh, the trials and the temptations that came against him in his heart. Terrifying, inexpressible. He stood on this earth as the mediator between God and Asaph, between God and us, the Lord Jesus Christ, our representative head. And God took the guilt of all of our sins, including our failure to trust Him. He took all our guilt and He imputed it to that mediator, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Christ suffered His whole life long, but especially at the end when He was hanging on that cross in the darkness, it was there that those winds of God's just wrath began to whip and howl And they blew against the Christ in His flesh and in His heart. And it was there at the cross that the fires of God's just wrath against Him for all of our sins were kindled. And those fires, those flames, they were leaping and dancing and coming up against the Christ with all of their pain so that He quivered in the flesh and in the heart. Forsaken by God on the cross. But, He was a rock of strength in his own heart. Even on the cross, he did not fail to trust God in his heart, to love God in his heart, to submit to God. To rejoice in God. To be content with God's way. When he was hanging on that cross, he loved God and trusted God. And he did not cry out in envy against the wicked, the Roman soldiers and the Jews, as they were smiting him. And they spit upon him. They buffeted him. They pierced him. They scorned him. They mocked him. They ridiculed him. He didn't cry out. How come there are no bands in their death? They are not in trouble as other men are they prosper but he submitted to god he looked up and said my god my god even when he was as it were at the very very bottom of the pit of hell suffering all that wrath of god he still said forsaken by god my god my god God was still his God. He loved him with a perfect, pure heart. It was by the power of his Godhead. That's why he's the Christ and you are not. It was by the power of his Godhead. That's why he saves. You can't save yourself and you can't save anyone else by the power of his Godhead and his own inherent personal Righteousness and holiness, He sustained. He sustained in flesh and heart the full weight of God's wrath and bore it away. And at the same time, He obtained for you and me a full salvation including a heart of faith and love and hope and joy, and peace. Now our great God, who is not only strong, but full of love and tender mercy, He comes to us in Christ, and by the Spirit of Christ, and through the Word of Christ, And this great God is the strength of our heart. The most important part of our being, our heart, is the strength of our heart. So, that when your heart of faith fails and you're not trusting Him, and when your heart of love fails and you're not loving Him as you ought, and you're not loving your neighbor, in fact, you're becoming very bitter and full of a spirit of revenge. And when your heart of hope fails, and all you see is darkness, no longer any light up ahead. When your heart of joy fails, you take your harp, and you hang your harp on the willows and say, I don't care what happens, I will not be happy. Don't tell me to be happy. I will not be happy. I will not make melody and sing. When your heart of meekness fails and you now Instead of patiently enduring reproach, you look to render revilement for revilement. And when your heart of contentment fails and you're consumed with envy, and your heart of peace fails, and you start sinking into a kind of despondency, when you suffer massive spiritual heart failure because of all these things and you realize that your heart is corrupt, That you still have sin within you. Even deep within you. And you deserve to go to hell. When you suffer massive spiritual heart failure, there's only one who can give you strength for your heart. It's God. The great God who for Jesus' sake pardons. Pardons all that sin and for Jesus' sake and by His Spirit and through the Gospel comes and revives your heart again so that you trust in God, you love God, you submit to God, you hope in God, and you rejoice in God. God, but God is the strength of my heart. Who is like Him? God. We fail to love him, but he never fails to love us. We lose him, but he never loses us. When we fail to see him for who he really is and praise him for who he is, we do that all the time, He never fails to see you and me for who we really are and to help us sinners When we lose our tenaciously tight grip on God so that we would slip away, He never lets go of us so that we can say with Asaph, Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast holden me by my right hand. But God, don't ever envy the wicked. No matter how much prosperity they have and, and seem to enjoy, They do not have God. But God is the strength of my heart. And when God strengthens your heart, then you always say, also, and my portion forever. That's so lovely. And my portion forever. Portion. That's literally the allotted parcel of land in the promised land of Canaan. The inheritance a piece of land, my portion. But the Israelites understood. The the, the Israelites didn't live in the Old Testament always with their head down like a brute beast, always focusing on the temporal, on the material, on the physical, on the type itself. The Israelites knew the types were pointing. They were types. They were pointing to something better and higher. And the the portion, the inheritance, it wasn't simply a piece of land. Asaph says it. God. God is my portion. God is my inheritance. God is my land of rest and sustenance and peace and delight. The great God who is greater than the land of Canaan, whom the whole earth cannot contain, whom the heaven of heavens cannot contain in all of His unsearchable riches in Jesus Christ. Great God in heaven, He in the covenant, He is my portion my inheritance forever for ever so you know what happens when the wicked man dies right before he dies he's one step from the grave there's the grave it's open he's one step back he has to let go it all. Of it all. All his possessions, all his money, all his vacations, all his accomplishments and all of his relations. His children, his grandchildren, his wife, his best friend. He has to. So there's this big pile of all of his stuff and all of his relations And down into the grave he goes with empty hands. And the door is closed. And you know what happens to the righteous man when he dies? He's one step away from the grave. He has to let go of everything. Everything. And he too has a pile right outside of his grave. All his stuff and all of his relations, including all of his friends and family, his church family, his own spouse if he's married, everything. And He goes down into the grave too with nothing but His God. And if He has His God, He has everything. But God is my portion forever. Here and through death and into glory, my portion Forever. So that God is everything to Asaph and to the believer. And that comes out so powerfully in the context when he says in the preceding verse, whom have I in heaven but Thee? Who do I have in heaven but Thee, O God? If Asaph goes to heaven and God is not there, Asaph doesn't want to be in heaven. It doesn't matter who's there. Moses is there. David's there. Friends and family are there. If God is not in heaven, I don't want to be in heaven. Whom do I have in heaven but Thee, O Lord? There is none upon earth that I desire beside Thee. God is everything. Now do you see at the end of Psalm 73, how Asaph is standing on one of the tallest mountain peaks of faith. He sees God. God is His supreme happiness. Only God is portioned forever. But you know what happens when your heart fails? When your faith fails, then God is not your portion. Then your portion is everything else in this whole world. What a sad thing. When your heart fails, things and people become your portion. But God came and strengthened Asaph with rock strength and made his heart strong. And as soon as God makes Asaph's heart strong so that he loves God, believes in God, trusts God, submits to God, then really all he sees is God. and God alone. And God is my portion forever. God in Jesus Christ is everything, absolutely everything. So that if I have Christ, I have everything in all my living, all my thinking, all my willing, all my walking, all my talking, all my delighting. God is everything. The portion my life forever. My flesh and my heart faileth. But God is the strength of my heart, my portion forever. Heart failure, heart strength. Now in conclusion, this is a personal testimony that comes out of Asaph's heart. You see, it's one thing to have a failing heart that is made strong by God, but it's another thing to say it. God is so strong in Christ that He not only strengthens the heart, but He so strengthens the heart that the heart then testifies and speaks of God so that others in Israel can hear and rejoice. This is a psalm. And Asaph wrote this psalm to be spoken, to be sung for the praise of God. What a testimony for the Israelites to hear out of the mouth of Asaph. Asaph, he, he was one of the chief musicians who led the Levite choirs in the public worship of God in the tabernacle. He was a man by the wisdom of, and grace of God given extraordinary abilities. He wrote psalms. He worked in music. He was in the tabernacle there. He was surrounded by that spiritually edifying environment of all these words of the songs of Zion, all this uplifting music. You would think if you were an Israelite that Asaph is one of the few in the land who is always on the mountaintop of faith. Well, turns out that even Asaph suffered a spiritual crisis of faith. But God, God strengthened him in the heart and so strengthened him that Asaph writes this psalm so that all Israel can say it with him. My flesh, my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. He said it. I failed. He said it. I failed. I do fail. But God is strong. Now you say it too. You fail. I fail. Sometimes even those who lead in worship like Asaph fail. Sometimes even those who oversee worship, they fail. Sometimes even ministers of the word become emotionally burned out and intellectually worn out, and spiritually dried out because of all of the weighty responsibilities and the demands and the challenges, especially when there's opposition for faithfully caring for the flock of Jesus Christ. Say it. I fail. I feel that. My flesh, and my heart, faileth. The child of God says it with Asaph. But, but, God is the strength of my heart. We say it with Asaph. We say it right here. The sanctuary. The sanctuary. That's the turning point. Verse 17. The sanctuary is the holy place of God. The tabernacle of God. Where God in His grace dwells with Israel. The sanctuary is not the personal home of any one of the Israelites. It's not your home. The sanctuary, that's not one of the tents of Babylon. The wicked world and the false church. The sanctuary. This is the sanctuary. Right here. Where God dwells with you. You are the people of God. You have the Spirit of God And you have the Word of God as it is opened up and faithfully proclaimed by your pastor. You have the Word of God in worship. The Word of God read. The Word of God sung. The Word of God preached. The Word of God embraced in the heart. God is here in His grace in the Word of our Lord Jesus Christ. The sanctuary. And it's right here that God in Christ, by the Spirit and through the Word, makes us strong in the heart. So that here we say it, and then go forth saying it. But God is the strength of my heart. God is so strong, He gives us strength to say that all the way to the end. The very last step. It's time to let go of everything. Now down into the grave we go. Goodbye. Even at the very end, He gives strength to say, My flesh, my heart faileth. But God has always been and is right now as I depart. He is the strength of my heart. And goodbye. But God is my portion forever. But God. Amen. Let us pray. O oh God, we confess that thou art good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. Truly, truly, thou art good. Very good, always good. Only good. Thou art the overflowing fountain of all goodness in Jesus Christ. Now give us the grace with Asaph, to say it and to mean it, truly. Thou art good. Hear our prayer for Jesus' sake. Amen.